So last week we started this series, Marked, Called by a Savior. And I think we really looked at how Jesus calls people to follow him. And as we follow Jesus and as we become followers of Jesus, you know, we become students or apprentices of Jesus. And of course, as we become apprentices and uh, students of Jesus, we try and do what he says. We try and do what we're called to do and pass on his words to others. And one of the, as we looked at, we kind of had three different principles last week. The first was the call, the call of Jesus to follow him. And basically it was to follow Jesus, and basically by following Jesus, we're being with him. And then we went to the cause, and of course the cause was being fishers of men, being fishers of people, and being with him being with Jesus in what he does and what he calls us to do. And then we looked at the cost. Of course, the cost is everything. We look at the call last week of um, Peter and Andrew and of John, and it was all about they left everything. So the cause or the cost was very expensive because when we do what Jesus does and we do what Jesus did, it could be costly for us. It could cost us friends. It could cost us family members. It could be very costly to us. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, sometimes there is a cost that comes with it. And this week, we're going to look at one of Jesus' radical calls of a disciple of a man called Levi. So as we look at that today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and open it up. If not, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, as a reminder, the scripture will also be up on the screen here. And if you're watching online, I want to let you know, thank you for joining us online today. Let's give it up for those watching online. And we thank you for joining us here today. And I just want to remind you, if you are watching online, that we appreciate you being here. But hopefully, you know, you're still connected with the local church someplace. Always make sure you're connected, whether it's here or someplace else. It doesn't matter. Just get connected to a local church where you can build that relationship with others and with Jesus Christ. So like I said, we're glad you're here, but make sure this doesn't supplement you being connected to a church. And also, um, as a, you know, like I said, the scripture will be up on the screen. And I really like the story in Luke um, chapter 5 that takes place right before the scripture from today. And a lot of us know the story. It's a story of four friends. Four friends who had a paralyzed friend who they were trying to get to Jesus. And Jesus was teaching inside a house and it was crowded and they couldn't get to the front door to get their friend to Jesus. So they got up on the roof and they opened up a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend to the feet of Jesus. How many of us need to lower a friend to the feet of Jesus and understand that that's what Jesus calls us to do? And I really love that story right before this because you see Jesus is doing, you know, he's teaching, he's healing people, and people are amazed at what he's doing. And shortly after this, after he does that miracle and people are amazed, he starts heading out to the Sea of Galilee. And then he comes across Levi, and that's where we pick him up today. So if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, it reads, After these things, 
he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and their Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning just to give you thanks. We thank you that we're able to come into your house and that we're able to openly dig into your word. And Lord, as we're here this morning, I just ask that you open up our minds so that we can receive what it is you have for us. Open our hearts and our ears to listen. And may my words be yours and may your name be glorified. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all talk about this story. They all give the account of Jesus um, asking Levi to follow him to become one of his disciples. And, you know, we all know that following Jesus is not complicated. It's not complicated to follow Jesus However, it can be challenging. It can be very challenging to be a follower of Jesus at different times. And understand that it begins with that decision to believe. We all started with the decision to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then we had to turn from our previous life and turn to what he has called us to do. And that is embracing who Jesus is and his teachings. All of his teachings. Not just the ones that sound good to us, but all of his teachings. And however, you know, we need to understand that being a follower of Jesus is a lifelong commitment. And in order to change, it's not going to happen in a week. It's not going to happen in a year. It's going to be over time and time. And as we continue to walk with him, we're going to continue and he's going to continue to change us even more and more. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then they think, well, I go to church on Sundays and, you know, I listen to some different podcasts. I read all the latest best-selling books about Jesus and about the apostles. You know, and I know all of these certain creeds and these scriptures. So, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus because I can do all this. It's not a checklist. But we get caught up, especially in today's world, on having a checklist that we can check off and say, I did this, I did this, I did this. But being a follower of Jesus is something that we need to do every hour of every day. And it is ongoing from the day we accept him and the day we turn away from our old self to our new self and continue to walk with him. And thank God for his grace during that. You know, so it is, it's an ongoing, it's a lifestyle of learning, of practicing, of being in community and trying to be who Jesus called us to be. It's going to take forever. It's going to be, a, you know, until we see him face to face. And, you know, one of these things and one of the attributes of when you look at Jesus in this series is evangelism. And a lot of people, you know, when you hear the word evangelism, you're like, oh, no, not me. That's someone else's, that's the pastor's job to evangelize. Ultimately, evangelism actually means is the preaching or the teaching of the gospel with the intention of exposing God's love to all 
mankind through Jesus Christ. So it's not just the pastor's job to evangelize, it's everyone's job to evangelize. And, you know, as we think about this, and as we go through this series, I got a couple questions I want you guys to really think about this morning. And think of yourself and then think of the church, this church in general. Are we a place, is FBC Lantana, a place where someone would feel comfortable coming in to meet Jesus? Are we maximizing what we have on this property to reach people for Jesus? Are we maximizing what we have on this property to reach people for Jesus? Are we connecting? Are we connecting with men? Are we connecting with women? Are we connecting with young adults? Most importantly, are we connecting with people who don't look and act like us? Are we connecting with people who don't look and act like us? And would people feel, would some feel comfortable coming in here to worship and not feel like we're going to judge them? Now, these are big, weighty questions, aren't they? And they may kind of hurt a little bit. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to honestly be able to answer all of these questions and say, you know what? We have these doors open so anyone can come through these doors. So anyone. And at the same time as we're talking about this, do any of you know someone that you know does not know Jesus Christ? That you need to take the time and not only be praying for them, but set up a meeting with them. Set up a meeting with them to be able to introduce them to your Jesus. And tell them what Jesus has done in your life. It's up to all of us. And a lot of us, like I said, when it comes to evangelism, thinks it's the pastor's job, but everyone has to do it. And even last week, I kind of challenged you guys. I said, hey, I would like to take the next 30 days for each one of us to pray for someone that we know that doesn't know Jesus. Take 30 days and remember that the next 30 days isn't just a starting point or an end to itself. It's something we should continue to do over and over again. Each one of us should have a one that we're praying for. We should have someone on the forefront of our mind that we know needs to meet Jesus. And we need to continually be praying for that person. And like I said, it, you may be praying for him for 30 hours, 30 days, or 30 years. But you never stop. You never stop praying for that person to meet Jesus Christ because ultimately we want to fill heaven. We want heaven to be filled up. And my prayer is that when we get to heaven, that you may get there and someone come up to you and say, hey, remember when you talked to so-and-so? And you'd be like, uh, no. Well, that person saved this person who then introduced me to Jesus. That's how it works. And we need to try and be like that. So each one of us should have a one. Each one of us should have someone in our lives that we should be reaching out to, to meet Jesus Christ. And each one of us should have our ones. And it's interesting when you look at today's scripture, Jesus had his ones. Jesus had his ones who he was going to reach out to. And we see that today. One of his ones was Levi. And we see him going after Levi today. It says in verse 27, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. 
Now, there's something here that is very vital in this story that I don't want you to miss. And it seems like, oh, that's so simple. But understand, Jesus' invitation to Levi, also known as Matthew, would have been highly offensive to the Jewish religious leaders. Would have been highly offensive to them. You see, as a tax collector for the Roman Empire, Levi had been viewed as a collaborator or as a traitor to the nation of Israel. He was siding with the other side and taking money from his own people and skimming a little bit off the top so that he could make his own living. He would have been a traitor. But you see, Jesus didn't exclude him. Jesus didn't exclude him from who he was to call him as a disciple. You see, I think Jesus extends that invitation to everybody. He allows everyone to come in and he does not discriminate on who he asks to follow him. And you really think about Levi's job. He had to have a job to survive. You know, we don't know why he did what he did as a tax collector. And I'm sure it wasn't his childhood dream. I'm going to grow up and be a tax collector and have a job so everybody hates me. I don't think any of us do that. None of us are going to pick a job so that we go out there and get hated for the job that we did. And Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly who he was, what he had been doing in his life, and what he had, what he was currently doing then. And Jesus could have easily just walked up to him and said, how dare you? How dare you do that for a living? But he didn't. What did he do? He walked up and said, hey, follow me. In other words, he kind of walked up to him and said, hey, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? I'm Jesus. I want you to come follow me. He didn't look at his circumstances. He didn't look at who he was. He looked at him with grace and with love and invited him to follow him. Follow me. And it's interesting when you look at Levi's response. It's kind of the same response we saw last week. And it says, so he left all, rose up and followed him. He got up and walked away. Jesus called, I'm obedient, I'm going. Just as we saw the brothers last week, they were obedient and they left all to follow Jesus. Jesus wants a relationship with everybody. You really think about it. He wants to, he built a friendship with the people he asked to follow him. When's the last time you built a friendship to have someone follow Jesus? See, a lot of times we won't do that. And we need to understand, Jesus is the most exclusive because he is the only way to get to God. So he is very exclusive, but he is also the most inclusive because all people are welcome to come and follow him so that he can change them. You think about how someone needs a smile instead of a frown. They need that frown turned upside down. There's a marriage that may need to be mended. An alcoholic or a drug addict that needs a push to change. And a lot of times we don't look at someone's story to find out where they are and why they are where they're at. And when we actually find out where someone's at, we need to go there and get them. We need to meet them exactly where they are and introduce them to Jesus. 
But a lot of times we don't want to do that because we may get a little dirty. It may be a little hard. But that's what we're called to do. You see, that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, and like I said, how did Levi end up being a tax collector? We don't know. But you got to imagine he hated his job. He probably hated getting up every morning having to go to his tax collector's booth. Jesus knew he didn't like it. And Jesus met him right where he was at, at that tax collector booth, where he was ashamed to be and asked him to follow me. And I think it's interesting when you look at what Levi did. Levi followed him, and added, because of Jesus' kindness and acceptance, he threw a dinner party. When's the last time you threw a dinner party to introduce people to Jesus? Maybe when you first got saved? You first got saved, oh man, this is so great. Let me tell you about this Jesus I just met. Y'all need to come on over. Oh, hey, I'm going to be baptized today. Y'all come and watch my baptism and we'll go have some food. Levi was so excited that he met Jesus that he decided to bring all of his friends together to meet Jesus. Why don't we do that? Maybe it would be a little awkward. Maybe people don't know you're really a Christ follower because of the lifestyle you live when you're not in church. Because you come here with a mask on. But we all need to follow Jesus. And we all need to invite people to come and see him. And come and meet him where he met us. And continue it. And don't be ashamed of it. Each one of us knows somebody. And in verse 29 and 30 it says, Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them, and their scribes and the Pharisees complained about his, against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So here we see a large company of tax collectors and sinners come to, come to the table and lounge and recline at the table with Jesus. And it's interesting that you got some Pharisees who are at the feast who are complaining. They're complaining and asking, you know, why would Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? I think the Pharisees forgot they were at the same dinner party. Because if they were at the same dinner party, maybe they're just some of them sinners that Jesus was sitting with. And I think sometimes we get the same way. We have that holy, righteous person who we are inside and we're holier than thou so we can't associate with you because you're a tax collector or a sinner. If Jesus can do it, why can't we? Now, it doesn't mean we're going to do what they do. We're not going to be that tax collector. We're not going to be that sinner. We need to be like Jesus. We need to be the influencer in everything we go into, not the influencee. If you look at this dinner party, Jesus was the influencer there. He was the one who was influencing others. It's interesting. It reminds me of a story. There was a, <coughs> there was a young boy who wasn't real happy with his friends. And he was hanging out with these other young boys and they were cussing all the time and acting up and stealing and doing stuff he didn't like. So, so the young man thought, well, you know, I, I just really don't like this. I, I need to tell my dad, you know, what's going on. 
And of course, underlying was figuring, well, if I won't go to my dad and I tell my dad what these guys are doing, my dad will tell me don't hang out with them. So he went to his dad and he goes, hey, hey, dad, you know, I'm really upset with, with these friends of mine. You know, they're stealing, they're cussing, they're doing all this stuff I don't agree with. You know, dad, should I not hang out with them anymore? And the father said, well, you know, son, it's interesting because at my job, I run into the same thing. I run into co-workers who, who cuss. I tell dirty jokes. They watch things they shouldn't be watching on the internet. And, and you know, I've got to go to work. But I don't laugh at their jokes. And I don't have the conversations that they have. I try and steer their conversations to a better conversation. And although I don't like my job, I think God's got me there for a reason. And I try and change them. And I'm trying to introduce them to Jesus. So, son, maybe you need to do the same. We need to be the influencers in every place that we're at. We need to be the ones who can change that culture. And a lot of us and a lot of you in different jobs you're in, whether it's construction, whether it's laying pipe, whatever it may be, you deal with that on a regular basis. If you're a first responder, you really deal with that on a regular basis. Because that's what you hear. That's what is going on out there in the world. We need to be able to stand there and influence others, whether it's in school, whether it's in the workplace, wherever it is, we need to influence others by our words and our actions and be like Jesus. Be like Jesus with skin on and everything that we do. You know, you even think as a missionary or an evangelist when they enter into a foreign culture to invite people to, to God, they go to where the people are at. You know, as we support missionaries through Annie Armstrong... They go to where the people are at. Sometimes it's dirty. Sometimes they don't have modern conveniences. But we need to understand that that's where our church is. Our church is wherever we go. Our church is inside the schools. It's not about these four walls. It's inside the schools. It's inside work. It's at ball games, wherever we may be. If I'm out there riding on my motorcycle with a group of other people, I am the church amongst them. And we need to be the church amongst them. We need to be who we're called to be. We got to get out of the building. And we got to spread the love of Jesus and his grace to everybody that we come in contact with because that's where it's at. And like I said, be that influencer every place we went, every place that we go. You know, it's interesting. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't like what they were seeing. As we continue to grow in this church and as we continue to be obedient to what God calls us to be, there will be people who do not like what we do. There will be people who do not like change. There will be people who, well, this is how it was always done. There'll be people who just don't like it. There'll be people who don't like as new people come inside the building and as new faces come in. Well, they're not like us. Well, if they're followers of Jesus Christ, guess what? There are your brothers and sisters. 
Jesus didn't discriminate. We should never discriminate. Uh, I talked about it in the past. It's a matter of the heart. We need to look past the outside of someone and look at the heart of the individual. And too many times we get caught up on what's on the outside. We need to look at that person's heart and see them for who they are. I even mentioned, you look into someone's eyes. When you look into someone's eyes, you don't see color. You don't see male, female. You see the person. And that's what we got to do. That's exactly what Jesus saw. Jesus saw the person, and he met them where they were at. And we need to do the same thing. We need to invite people as is, like buying a used car. You're getting it as is. If it breaks down, you got to fix it. He accepted each one of us as is. Remember where you used to be. Some of us don't want to remember where we used to be. Because it's a bad place. Exactly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for him coming into our life and accepting us for who we are as is. And we need to understand when we approach people, we got to give them that better future. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus offers people a better future. And it's interesting in verse 31 and 32, you see Jesus' response to the haters at the table. And they were haters at the table. And basically Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus doesn't limit his invitation. He does not limit his invitation to someone who is nice and clean and got it all cleaned up and has a nice clean background. If anything, Jesus sees the opposite. He sees us as the sinners that we are. He didn't come for the whole. He came for the wounded. Jesus did not come for the perfect. He came for the ragamuffins, which I am the biggest of. He didn't come for the healed. He came for the sick. That's who Jesus came for. Not someone who had it all cleaned up. He came for us, the messed up, jacked up people in this world. And it's interesting because when I look through the Bible, there's a whole lot of messed up, jacked up people that I can sit there and read God's word and say, man, I'm better than that person. I know I'm better than David on the outside, but I think David had a better heart than I do. Because I'm that ragamuffin. I'm the one who fails on a regular basis. But that's why he came. He's not offended by our wounds. He's not offended by our past. And he's not offended by our failures. He accepts us just how we are. Nothing prohibits Jesus from calling us. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1.15 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Paul says he was the worst. I got to be a close second. I mean, I, I, I can't beat Paul, but boy, I got to be a close second. The religious crowd quickly became offended because of who Jesus was with. Because he associated with tax collectors and sinners. They were repulsed by it. And you know, it's interesting, as I was doing this sermon, I found this quote from Rachel Held Evans. And it really sums it up. What makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but who it lets in. 
me say that again. What makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but who it lets in. It let us in. But people will be offended by of the gospel because of who it lets in. It may let in your ex-husband or your ex-wife. It may let in the person who picked on you growing up as a kid. It may let you in and you were the one picking on other people. It's who it lets in that makes it so offensive because it's there for everybody. The gospel and that offer is there for everybody. And it's about following him. We don't stop. We start. We start to follow him in everything we did. Jesus knows he's going to get something flawed. He knows it. He came for the sick. He knows we're flawed. And the Bible is full of stories just like this, of people who were messed up and jacked up, and Jesus called them and they changed. And the world is full of sick, people's needing, sick people needing a Savior. And where's our church? It needs to be everywhere. It needs to be everywhere outside them doors. It needs to be everywhere that you go. We need to present that gospel of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a story. There was a preacher giving out Bibles in the inner city. And as he was going around giving out Bibles, he, he saw this one gentleman and he gave him a Bible. And he said, here, I want to give you this. And the man said, well, pastor, well, thank you. I appreciate the Bible. But I'm here to tell you all I'm going to do is use the pages to roll up my smoke. And the pastor said, well, you know what? I got no problem with that. If that's what you're going to do, just do me one favor. Before you roll your smoke with the page, read the page. Read it, roll your smoke, smoke it, whatever you want to do. Later, it was said that the man came forward and told someone, yep, I smoked Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when I got to John, and I saw that Jesus loved me, and that God God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son to me and whoever believed in him would have eternal life. It changed my life. I stopped smoking. And it changed me from the inside out. How many of us need to change from the inside out? Maybe instead of just smoking the Bible, we need to start reading the Bible. Start reading the pages each and every day instead of just flipping through it. Jesus invites us, and he doesn't invite us cleaned. He helps to clean us up. Jesus invites messed up people. He seeks the flawed to make them flawless. It doesn't matter who or what you have been doing or are doing. Jesus invites you wherever you are, right where you are. If you're in debt because you thought all that stuff, keeping up with the Joneses would make you happy, didn't quite work, did it? Jesus still invites you. If you're addicted to something that's controlling your life and maybe it's hurting your marriage, maybe it's drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever it may be, 
Jesus is still going to invite you. If your way of living is not God's ideal, if you're not going by what God's word says and you're trying to live a different kind of lifestyle, he still invites you. Because he's going to invite you where you are and he's going to change your life. And hopefully our lives have been changed by him. And if you don't buy into this Jesus yet, he's still going to invite you. He's still going to invite you to come on in. May not buy into it, but let him grab a hold of you. Let Jesus grab a hold of you. You'll definitely be buying into it. He invites all of us to follow him. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See, the Apostle Paul got it. The Apostle Paul got it. It was only by the grace of Jesus that any of us can get salvation. He got it. And even though Paul talked about working harder than others, it wasn't a boastful kind of thing and it wasn't being arrogant. Understand, he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee, so he had to work harder than all the other, other apostles for people to listen to his message. He was crucifying Christians and then trying to tell them about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't think I would have listened to him at first. I would have been afraid he was going to stab me. He was going to crucify me and kill me like the rest of them. So yes, he had to work harder than the rest of them. But he even says it was all because of the grace of God. Because of Jesus Christ is the only way that he could do it. We need to be that same boldness. Are you willing to work harder to get people to know Jesus? Even if it means being martyred or being made fun of or having family members say that you're odd for God? Are you willing to work hard to bring people to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? That's what Jesus calls us to do. If we're going to be obedient to what Jesus calls us, we will ask people to, to come follow him. We will introduce people to our Jesus exactly where they're at. And we will go to where they are to help them to meet Jesus. Because ultimately, guess what? They're just not going to walk through the door. Now, some will just walk through the door, but most will not just walk through the door. We have to go and meet them where they are. And then, hopefully, when we introduce somebody to Jesus and they accept Jesus as their Savior, and Jesus radically changed their life, maybe they'll invite all their sinners and tax collector friends to come and have a meal with Jesus. Maybe we need to do the same thing. See, Jesus knows who your one is. Do you know who your one is? Do you know who that one person is that you're praying for? That they'll accept Jesus? Because he does. He knows exactly who he wants you to pray for. And it's interesting. I read an article this, this last week that, you, you know, when we pray for somebody, all we're really doing is praying for God's will to show up. Because remember, they want, Jesus wants all, everyone to know him. He invites everybody. So by praying for someone to, hey, I, I'm praying for this person to accept Jesus Christ, it's already the will of God because God wants everyone to accept him. 
So all we're doing is trying to pray God's will into effect. That's all we're going to do. Now, like I said, it may take 30 minutes. It may take 30 days. It may take 30 years. But it's all for naught. If that person accepts Jesus Christ, we're going to see them in heaven. You're going to be able to see them again in heaven. That is worth it all. That is worth every ounce and every second of prayer that we spend praying for somebody. God's grace is amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. Just as Jesus called the tax collector Matthew nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus still offers that invitation today. He still offers that invitation for people to follow him. No matter what our past is, no matter what our present is, no matter how wounded or messed up we may be, nothing's disqualified us from answering Jesus' invitation to be his disciple, to follow him and be who he calls us to be. And I think, honestly, when the church starts reaching lost people, I think it brings a whole new perspective. When you start praying for someone and you see someone accept Jesus Christ, I really believe it changed your perspective because then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they actually did it. Who else can I pray for? Who else can I invite? See, a lot of times we'll invite people and we'll invite 5, 10, 15 people to church and maybe one will show up. That's okay. Jesus left 99 for one. So if you can ask 15 and only one show up, you got better odds. Make sure you're praying for someone. Pray for that person this week that Jesus wants you to reach out to and meet with to talk to them about him. And you may be surprised. You may be surprised how that conversation goes. Remember, as, we, as we're fishers of people, there's times we're going to cast the net and it's going to come up empty. There's times you're going to cast that net and you're going to need help pulling it in. And that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Make a relationship with that person. Love on them and let Jesus change them. Let Jesus be the change. All we are doing is planting the seed. Jesus does all the work. Jesus already knows who you want is. So make that appointment for your one. And you know, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, Pastor Ken, that's really good, but I don't know Jesus. I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. Well, you can make that happen today. You can come up here during this final worship time and we can talk about it and we can have a prayer and you can accept Jesus and lock it down today. And then he can begin to radically change your life just as he has changed other people's lives. And maybe you're like, well, Pastor Ken, I've been praying for this person for 30 years and and they haven't accepted Jesus yet. Well, keep praying. Keep praying and you know what? Give me their name. We'll put them on the prayer list and we'll add more prayer to it. But continue praying and continue doing what he called us to do. That we will spread the gospel of Jesus Christ every place that we go. And that we will affect change and affect other people's destiny. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus did not discriminate when he called Levi. He met Levi right where he was at. 
Who do you need to meet right where they're at and introduce them to Jesus? All of us have a one. Some of us have twos and threes. Maybe just come up here and spend some time at the altar praying for your one. We're praying that God will open up your heart so that your heart will be like Jesus and that you'll invite everybody knowing that he would and that we need to also. That we don't look at the outside of anyone, we look towards the heart of a person. Because Jesus looks at our hearts. He doesn't look at us outside. And he never discriminated on who he brought the gospel to. And we should never discriminate either. So Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you, Lord. Lord, I raise them up to you that they will truly follow you the way you want them to follow. Lord, that we will be all in for you. Lord, you accepted us as is. We were messed up, we were jacked up, but we were loved, Lord. We were loved by you. And may we show that love to others. May we open our doors to other people and allow them to come into our lives and that we will meet them where they are and introduce them to you. And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, I ask that you make that move, that they will come forward and they will accept you as, your, as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, so that you can radically change their lives. And Lord, if there's someone here who, who doesn't have a one or just looks for people that look and act like them. Lord, that you will touch their hearts and bring them up here so that you may open up their eyes to see what you see. That you see the heart of the person. And Lord, that we will never discriminate on who we invite to know you because you didn't discriminate against us. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.